service. Now, this morning we are welcoming back to Riverside some dear, dear friends. I didn't say old, you see. Uh, but we are welcoming back dear, dear friends. And, and I'm thrilled to say that Tina Spicer is here. All right. Yeah. We only invite Chris to come and speak because we want Tina to come. All right. But um, Chris and Tina were on staff here for five years going back. Now, they've been back in the UK for nine years. And uh, five years before that, they were on staff here and blessed this church in an enormous way. And um, we're always glad when they're coming back through. And Chris is going to preach for us this morning. And you're in for a great time around the Word of God. How many want to hear God's Word? Amen. You're going to hear it this morning. Now, before, before he comes up, there is a little video uh, about something that he's doing that we're excited about. So you can run the video now, if you will. And then Chris, come JJ up. JJ is a 10-year-old boy with problems, bullied at school and misunderstood at home. Life has become an emotional roller coaster. This rocky ride is made easier by his pet dog, Toby, and kind-hearted Grandpa Joe. Allowing his imagination to run wild, JJ tries to escape his troubles by daydreaming his way through life. But bragging about riding the legendary Big Ben roller coaster was perhaps not one of his best ideas. How does JJ deal with being bullied? How does he handle being misunderstood and always coming up short? Journey with JJ through the ups and downs of everyday life and share with him as he makes a life-changing discovery. Good morning. I'd like to pray before we get into the Word, because we need God by His Holy Spirit to speak to us. It's all well and good me saying things, but at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit needs to be the courier of the Word of God and bring it to you and me and make a difference to change our lives to make us more like Jesus. So Holy Spirit, you are so welcome in this house. We thank you for this house and we pray that you would take the Word that you've laid on my heart and you will use it. You will use it as bread to feed us. You will use it as a mirror in which we can reflect and see how we are like you and we pray that you will cause it to be oil, to be poured into open wounds, that you will bring healing in this house this morning. Father, be glorified, Jesus be uplifted, and Holy Spirit have your way amongst us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Great to be here. Good to be back in Peoria. Good to be back in Riverside. I appreciate John and Letty having us back. Um, and I appreciate the offer to be here today. Now, I'm going to speak on what I'm calling the Cinderella culture. The Cinderella culture. And my prayer for this morning is that those who call themselves Christian, Christians will go to the ball. That you and I, who say that we are followers of Jesus Christ, will celebrate who we are in Christ. Because I said in first service, this, 
this building this morning is filled with potential spiritual terrorists. People who by the power of the Holy Spirit can make a radical change in their sphere of influence. I believe that. I believe God has brought us to this day and this for such a time as this for this hour. But you see, through the death and life and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God the Father is offering humanity an opportunity to attend a heavenly celebration here and now. And some of us, by faith, have accepted that invitation. We've received Jesus Christ into our lives. We have asked God to forgive us of our past. We have made Jesus Lord. We've accepted that invitation. And therefore, we're entering in to a celebration of who we are in Christ. Others have rejected the invitation. But it is that we do have a problem. Because many who call themselves Christ followers are allowing the ugly sisters, the ugly sisters of intimidation, of condemnation, of shame and sorrow, of remorse and regret. And Christians, it seems, throughout the Western world are allowing the ugly sisters to lock them into what I call basement thinking instead of high-level living. Becoming a Christ follower is a supernatural process. I'm glad I'm born again. Well, that makes three of us. I know Riverside is a responsive church. I'm glad I'm born again. (laughs) I'm glad I'm a Christ follower. Because when I become a Christ follower... A supernatural, and I keep preaching this because I believe it needs to be preached. We cannot minimize what it means to become a Christ follower. It's not just a simple mental ascent. It's not just a simple decision. It's a life-changing moment when we pass from spiritual death unto life. I once was dead, but now I am alive. That is a process of regeneration. The Spirit of God regenerates our spiritual being. I once was spiritually blind, but now I see. I once was dead and now I'm alive. I once I was blind and now I see. Once I, I lacked an understanding, I lacked a relationship with God. But God brought me in to this relationship with Jesus Christ. As a Christ follower, I've experienced a supernatural experience whereby God remolds my thinking. My kids grew up with Romans chapter 12 verse 2 from a translation which is called J.B. Phillips. And my kids all, well, especially our eldest daughter, she kind of cringes every time she hears me say it because she knows we used to say, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your mind from within so that you can prove that perfect and acceptable will of God. That's Romans 12. It's what God does. He remolds our thinking. When we come to Christ, our whole thought processes change. And by that change of thinking, we begin, as Paul says to the Romans, we start reigning in life through one man, Christ Jesus. 
My surname is not king, but I am a king. The Bible says I'm a king and priest unto God. I'm part of the royal family. I'm royalty. So are you. If you are born again, you are part of the royal family. You are a son and daughter of the king. You are a servant of the Most High God. You are someone who can run through a troop, says the psalmist, and leap over a wall. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There is no better body of people in the earth than those that believe in Jesus. So it's my prayer this morning that the Holy Spirit will take us on a journey. And this journey will take us from basement thinking, where we think of ourselves as as nobody, as useless, as worthless, and we have this kind of low self-esteem. I pray from the depths of my heart that the Holy Spirit will come and throw his arms around you. For others, I pray he will come and give you a little nudge. For some of you, I hope he kicks you. But I just... Sometimes we need God to prod us. And God knows exactly how to meet us. Some of us, he just... I had children, you just need to say something, and immediately they would do it. Others took a little bit of coercion. Others took a lot of coercion. It took them ages to get what you were saying. And God knows us as children. He knows how he can speak to us and what we need to hear his voice. And my prayer is that we will no longer listen to the ugly sisters, but we will rise from the basement and come to high-level living because the world needs to see the bride of Christ. There needs to be a revelation of the sons of God, as Romans 8 says. The world needs to recognize who we are, sons and daughters of the living God. Now, to do that journey, that transition, the vehicle of my choice this morning is a proverb. It's Proverbs 23, verse 7. And I'm taking it from the NASB translation, New American Standard Bible. And it reads, as a man, let's forget the gender issue here, say as a man or a woman thinks, so they are. As a man and woman thinks within themselves, so they are. The proverb says, we are what we think. We are what we think. Now that flies in the face of popular opinion. Because people will say, you are what you eat. Now if that's true, I've got a few Big Macs down here. And a few pepperoni pizzas over here. If we are what we eat, some people say we are what we wear or we are what we do. No, this text says we are what we think. That's how powerful the mind is. So I have a mantra, a simple thing that I repeat to myself constantly. It says this, what I believe affects how I behave and ultimately what I become. What I believe affects how I behave and ultimately what I become. Beliefs. Say with me, beliefs. Beliefs. (laughs) Lunch is coming, folks. Don't. You'll get to the restaurant. All of us 
have a set of beliefs. They call them a cluster. We all have a collection of beliefs. You have all sorts of beliefs. The five years I was here, I believed the Cubs would win. Bless him, Jimmy's not here now. He put me into in contact with the Cubs. And, uh, and I, I wanted for five years, I go and leave and they win. The favorite saying, well, I know, you know, maybe next year. But I believed. Now, that is a, a kind of a superficial belief. And we all have superficial beliefs that, yeah, they do affect us. But then there are the deep, deep, ingrained beliefs that are in our subconscious. And these beliefs are a cluster, they're a collection. They're like a jewelry in a court of law. And they will affect the way you approach people, objects, and events. Your beliefs are powerful. Powerful. You can build up a set of beliefs about an individual who you've never met. But when you do meet them, you have this kind of a a way of approaching because of your beliefs. Your beliefs affect how you approach people, objects, and events. Beliefs trigger your feelings. And our feelings cause us to either act or react. That's why Jesus, when announcing his uh, gospel of the kingdom, introduced the word repent. Somewhat of an archaic word, and people don't use it that often, but it is biblical. The word repent means to have a change of mind that leads to a change of character. It's changing your mind about yourself, your position before God. It's changing your mind about the Bible, about God. It's a change of mind. So we're talking about beliefs. Now when it comes to Christ followers or Christians, I think there are two kinds of believers. There are what I call flat earth thinkers and round earth thinkers. Someone tells me that there is a resurgence of flat earth thinkers. There are those who are propounding this principle even now. Flat earth thinkers live in fear because of what other people have said to them. They hug the shoreline. They don't go far because they live according to what is accordingly known and what they've been told. Flat earth thinkers live in that fearful state and never venture far. They'll stay close to the shoreline. However, round earth thinkers, they refuse to take on board the fears and phobias of other people. I believe as a Christian, we have by the power of the Spirit the ability to live as round earth thinkers. No matter what fears and phobias others have tried to put on you, you have the power of Jesus. You have the power of the Spirit. He is the one that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power, I'll get it right in a minute. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Now if that doesn't thrill you deep down in your innermost being, I'm out of here tomorrow, I'll say it anyway. You need to be born again. 
<laughs> because it's, a, it's the power. Paul says, I don't know the power of his resurrection. And that self-same power dwells within us. The power that raised Jesus from the dead reigns, lives, resides within us. Rounder thinkers, you can't hold them back. Say, well, you can't do that. But they believe in the supernatural. They believe in the unknown God that is so many, who so many people don't know. They say, I believe him. He's my heavenly father. He loves me. I have a God who, who, who can do the impossible. Rounder thinkers foster this possibility mentality when they're facing all oppositions. They want to walk in the good of what Jesus said. They want to know the truth because the truth will set them free. Beliefs. What I believe affects how I behave. What I believe affects how I behave. Becoming a Christian is not a mental ascent. It is a radical transformation of your mindset. It's a metamorphosis of your belief system that results in a total change of behavior. Let me tell you a story. True story. In my country, there are certain regions where people are born, they live, and they die having never left the street they were born in. They are very what's called parochial. And I heard of a, an older couple who decided in their later years that they would start to travel. And so their first trip, not only outside their village, not only outside their state or country, was to New York. Yeah, wow. They were going to travel to New York. They were going to stay downtown New York in a hotel. They told their friends and their friends said, whoa, you better be careful. You could get attacked. You could get mugged. You could get robbed. Beliefs. So the elderly couple, eventually the date came. They got on the airplane and flew into New York. It was getting in the evening and they made their way to their hotel and the hotel room that they had was allocated about three or four floor, fourth floor up. It was high up. And they got into their hotel room. It's all right, I'm smiling. I know the end of the story. <laughs> and the wife had a brainwave and said to her husband, hey, why don't we go and look around some shops? And he's thinking, it's late, it's dark. But he was a good husband and agreed. And so they both got into the elevator, came down to the lobby, and they're just about to leave the hotel. And the wife said, oh, no, no, no. I've left my purse, my handbag. I've, I've left it in the room. She said, well, don't worry. You, you stay here in the lobby, and I'll go back up to the room, get my purse, and then I'll meet you back down here. So she gets back into the elevator and goes back up three floors, four floors, gets into the room, gets the purse, makes her way back, gets into the elevator. She's the only one in the elevator. Gets into the elevator, and the door is just about to close. And before the doors could close, this huge, tall, 
Afro-American steps into the elevator with a dog the size of a pony. The dog is ginormous, gargantuan, huge. Well, it wasn't that big, but it was a big dog. And the doors closed. And the woman is not a religious woman, but she's deeply in prayer. <laughs> and she's the silence of the elevator. All you can hear was the machinery as the elevator gradually made its way down to the foyer. And suddenly, the silence was shattered by the words, Get down! Get on the floor! And she thought, oh my. And she knelt down on the floor. And then she could hear the man chuckling, laughing. He reached out his hand and said, oh, I'm sorry, love. I meant my dog. <laughs> Beliefs affect behavior. But that's not the end of the story. The couple, they come to sign out of the hotel and they go to the reception desk and they want to pay their bill. And the lady behind the reception desk pulls out this huge bouquet of flowers. These flowers have got bigger since first service, but they brought this huge bouquet of flowers <laughs> and presented it to the couple. And there was a card in there. And so, oh, that's nice. And the receptionist said, the bill's been paid for. Wow. And so she read the card, and the card simply read, thank you for the biggest laugh I've had for years. <laughs> Signed, Lionel Richie. <laughs> our beliefs affect our behavior. But our beliefs not only affect our behavior, they ultimately affect what we become. The New Testament says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But when I look around Christendom, I don't see that's the problem. The problem is we don't think of ourselves as highly as we ought. You are a daughter of the king. You are a son of the king. You are one of the royal household of faith. You are a beloved of God. You are highly favored. And God loves you for who you are, not what you do. You are not received because of your performance. You're received according to your position. And your position is you're a child of God. Okay, you blew it this week. So what? Get it sorted with God. God still loves you. He can't love you any more now than he loved you last week. He can't love you any more now than he loved you before you were ever born. God loves you, not for who, what you do, but who you are. God, help us to get that. Because we get into so much performance mentality. You know, I've not read my Bible. In fact, where is my Bible? Probably in lost property. But where, where? I've not really prayed much and I ought to pray more. We're not into earning our salvation. We're not into trying to earn merits with God. It's a position as a child and a son of God. The human mind is like a minefield with 
full of unexploded devices. You know how it is. You hear God's word and you make a mental decision to change. And you go out of this room and you say, oh, by God's grace, I'm going to become different. I'm going to be different. I'm going to behave differently. And as soon as your mind makes that decision, the mind triggers unexploded devices. The mind tells you and brings feelings of inadequacy, feelings of utter worthlessness, of failure. So do you remember when you did this before and how it failed? Do you remember you tried last time and it didn't change? And the ugly sisters of intimidation and remorse start bringing up the words of past failure, of negative words, and we start entertaining all of these things spoken to us. So we want to go to the ball. We want to reign in life through one man, Christ Jesus. We want to live in heavenly places, but we're reminded That means the old thoughts come flooding back. Tina has a saying, and she says, I may be someone who loses, but I'm not a loser. I may fail sometimes, but I'm not a failure. That is a big difference. We all fail, but we're not failures. Hello? We are not failures. We all make a mistake. Stop looking at other people and saying, I wish I was like them. If you knew them, you would find out they face some of the battles you face. Their mind has the same battles that are going on in their mind. The Cinderella culture. We allow the ugly sisters to come and speak into us and keep us in the basement of thinking. That basement is low self-esteem, poor self-image, feeling insecure, feeling inadequate. And we're kept in the basement when God is calling us to the celebration, to the ballroom, because he wants to show his church off and say, this is my bride. These are my beautiful people. He wants us to be mirrors reflecting the beauty of Christ. It's like sometimes we become the principal actor in the Story of the prodigal son. You remember it in Luke chapter 15? The prodigal son comes back to the father. He comes back repentantly. And the father receives him lovingly. And the father receives him back into his house and he gives him a new robe. It's reckoned to be the sonship robe. He receives a whole new identity. And when the enemy comes and tells you, well, you're not this, you're no good, you're no good, you say, you're posting mail to the wrong address. I don't live there anymore. Hallelujah. I don't live there anymore. That was what I was. This is what I am. I am a success in Christ. I am an overcomer through Jesus Christ. I can do all things through him that strengthens me. The son received a robe of identity. He received shoes of destiny. Oh, do you know if God showed you what he's got in store for you, it would blow your mind. You would blow a mental fuse. When you saw what God potentially has for us, 
I don't know how long I have on this earth, but I tell you what, I believe the best is yet to come. I believe the best is yet to come. The best churches are yet to be built. The most phenomenal, moving, powerful, moving body of believers is yet to be seen in this earth. I've often said it in five years while being here. I am tired of reading about the moves of God, of history. Thank you, God, for them. I'm tired of reading about the moves of God in other parts of the world. I'd like to see a bit of moving of the Spirit where I'm living. I like God to come amongst my household. I like God to come into my township, my workplace. I'd like to see some miracles. That those who don't believe in God, they will say, Is that your God that does that? And I will say, Yes. That's my dad. That's my father. He has delivered that person. They have been broken in a moment of time from those addictions. That person has been healed miraculously. Thank God for medical profession. But that person has been healed when the medics gave up and said, we can't do any more. I believe he's put on us a robe of identity, shoes of destiny, and a ring of authority. A ring of authority. You will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You have a legal right to live where you live. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I believe in Christ we have authority to kick the illegal squatter out of our neighborhoods. By that I mean we are praying for the kingdom of God, the righteousness, the rule, the reign of God to come within our neighborhoods, within our cities, within our time. And it's like we were the principal character in the story of the prodigal that God's given us new identity. He's given us a fresh destiny. He's given us new authority. And yet it's as if we say, I'll hold on to the rags. I'll hold on to the, re- the remains of my old life because I'm not sure I'm, I have a right to live like that. The Cinderella culture. The reason I wrote this book, because I am naturally an introvert. 50 years this year, I, 50 years ago this year, I went to Bible college and moved in the, char- the calling of God. My home church was so shocked that I would think of going to Bible college. And so was I. I thought, God, what are you doing? This movement I belong to must be desperate if they're accepting me. But I believe, and this is written for 8 to 12-year-olds. And I'm saying to you, Riverside, the privilege of being here this morning is that I was sat in those seats when 10 years ago God gave me this book. It was at a a pastor's conference, uh, Related Leaders, and we had a man called J.D. Walt. Never heard of him before. But that man spoke a message on one night, I think it was the Wednesday night, He messed with my brain. He told two stories of which this book is based. And I've asked him for permission. He said yes. I'd have still wrote it. No, I wouldn't. But I I asked him and he said yes. And for 10 years I've waited that I could put this together in a story. It covers issues like insecurity. It's a good story on its own. It's a good story for children to read. 
But you can use this as a tool as parents, grandparents, and teachers. There's a whole section you can go online and download freely. Whereby you can talk about issues like bullying, insecurity, feeling misunderstood, feeling you just don't measure up. I haven't got time. But some of the most well-known people in, in the world today, if you ask them how they were in their younger life, they would tell you, we just felt we didn't measure up. This is all about how when you feel you don't measure up. I'm saying that because I believe it's going to help a lot of people. And Christians, we are called, like the prodigal, to celebrate. Do you know this? Oh, help us, Lord. I don't think there's anyone else on the face of the earth that knows how to celebrate but Christians. The trouble is it's got to get from here down to, you know, we've got to learn how to do that. I said in first service, I think some Christians had more fun before they became Christians. They somehow took an enjoyment bypass operation when they become Christians. There's not many of them around, but there are a few miserable saints. And you spend some time, you think, I thought my life was bad, but boy, yours is very... The joy of the whole earth, says the psalmist, is the, is the, is the, the church of Jesus Christ, the joy... We're called to celebrate 24-7. It's called a great celebration. To celebrate not just here, but in our workplace, in our home. To rejoice in the goodness of God. And some of you say, well, if you only knew my life, and I don't know your life, and I'm not undermining that. But I tell you what, God's above it all. God is above it all. He is bigger than your biggest problem. You say, you must believe in a big God. I do. He is a big God. You say, well, can he meet me here? Yes, he can. Can he do this? Yes, he can. He may not do it as you expect him to do it. But he is a big God. And he's calling us to celebrate the grace, the goodness of God upon our lives. So I'm going to ask the band to come back, if they will. And they're going to play a song. And, and I was pleased to know that um, you'd had this song played and sung some time ago. It's a great song. Great song. I told it, said in first service, I was, before I left England, I had some root canal treatment. It's a joy, isn't it? You know, it's just what you need. I mean, you think, this week I'd love some root canal fillings, you know. I've just got a spare time. Let's have a bit of root canal. Well, I was in the chair, and I've got a great dentist. This song came on. This actual song. And I was telling the dentist about it as best I could with all the gear in my mouth. <laughs> Good song. <laughs> Stupid boy. Anyway. I was at an airport coming on the trip here. And this song was playing in the airport. It's following us everywhere. It's a great song. And it's all about the lies of the enemy and what God says is truth about over you. So band, there you are. Would you sing this for us? And then I'm going to pray for the whole congregation and then I'm going to dismiss you. But can I say... It's easy to belong to a Cinderella culture. Listen to the ugly sisters who are telling you the lies of you're no good, you're hopeless, you failed yesterday, you'll fail again tomorrow. It's time we dismissed 
the ugly sisters and started listening to the Holy Spirit and saying, God, what do you say about me? And if he says this about you, take it from me, it's true. Never mind what your mind says. It's what the Word says. God thinks you're brilliant. My wife's good at this, but sometimes you should look in the mirror and say, you are brilliant. Do you know what? You are amazing. By God's grace, you're amazing. World, watch out. I'm coming. By the anointing of the Spirit, I'm coming this day. Precious in the sight of God. He loves you 
for who you are, not what you do. You might say, well, I wish I knew that, God. You have an opportunity this morning. Stay around, see someone, talk to them about what it means to become a Christ follower, and they will talk to you. For those of you who feel locked in the basement, say, I'm in basement thinking. I want to be in high-level living. I pray now, Holy Spirit, come upon us. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts and our lives. Clear thinking, Lord, clear thinking, clear thinking. Rid the cloud of the enemy that wants to throw lies and confusion. Bring a breath of fresh air and let the Spirit of God renew our minds to think as you intended us to think and that we will think as conquerors, as victorious people, sons and daughters of the living God, those who will run through a troop and leap over a wall, those who will do all things through Christ who strengthens us, those who will say, I'm a more than a conqueror through him that loves me, those that will say, I will reign in life by Christ Jesus. I will live in heavenly places through him. Father, do this by your spirit, for we ask it in your name. And all God's people said, Amen.